Good morning, church. Man, it's a beautiful day in the proverbial neighborhood. Beautiful day in our church. Sunny outside. It's a little chilly, but uh, I've seen chillier. Get my stuff going here. We're continuing through our, our Holy Week series. Uh, if you were here last week, we kind of kicked it off the last couple of weeks. Um, and now I think we're getting into the kind of the, the nitty-gritty, right? The midweek, uh, the, maybe the hump day, as you were, of the, of the Holy Week. But we're seeing this all take shape. Countdown to the Resurrection is uh, kind of what we're, we're calling this sermon series. And it's very apt because we, as usual, know how the story ends, but... Uh, as we go through this, try to keep thinking about some of these things that Jesus is saying, some of the, the ways in which He's communicating, the mechanisms that He's using to teach and talk and help people understand what is happening currently in this world and what is to come. Uh, like I said, for us, we know how it ends, but uh, it's really interesting if you can think about what it must have been like to hear some of these uh, points being made and questions being asked and things that Jesus is teaching. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll read again. The Scripture will be very familiar because we already covered it for the most part, but we'll read it again together. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with John 12, 20 through 23 for this, but uh, we'll go on for a minute or two and then uh, we'll uh, pray and uh, dig in. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life loses it. And whoever, I'm sorry, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this time to gather together. Thank you for this word. It's always inspiring. It's always challenging. It's always interesting. It's got all... Thank you for a time that we are able to gather as a church, uh, both here in this building and virtually as well, Lord, to study this word, this amazing, awesome, life-changing word together, Lord. I pray that the words that I speak would be your words, Lord. 
it would only bring uh, glory and honor to your name alone. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, so I called this sermon, All Will See. And uh, as, we, as we go through this, bear that notion in mind that everybody is going to see. So let's recap a little bit as to what's going on here. So who were some Greeks? We see that word now. We were say that today. I don't know, some Bloomingtonians or some whatever, whatever. We would, not necessarily sounding very positive. But in this case, they would have been people from Greece most likely. But more importantly, they're not Jews. So this isn't meant to be like, oh, it's some Greeks. It's, these are people that are not Jewish people. Culturally, this is very significant. So once again, I don't know that this, in our world here in America, we're a lot more, uh, I don't know, much more of a mixing pot. We all have our little niches and the people that we are close to. Uh, but it's not nearly as uncommon, perhaps, for somebody from out of town to come to your town or for us to take a vacation to another area and maybe stay in a hotel at a, with people that we don't know at all in an area of town that we're not familiar with. This would have been very strange at this time, especially the kind of the Jewish, non-Jewish divide. So that's why they're bringing, this, they're bringing the point up. It's not to call out Greeks as special as much as it is to say these aren't Jews that are coming up to them. And, and the flip side of this is, unlike also maybe today, or maybe more like today, other people's culture is not necessarily as big of a deal to your culture. So the Jews are well aware of the Gentiles, the Greeks, and all the other people, um, and vice versa. But knowing exactly what's going on in their world, what are the recent happenings, and you know, I heard so-and-so was over here doing this or that, or you got fired or got a new job, or did you get a new card, or is your mule still sick? They wouldn't have been concerned with those sorts of things, right? They had their own little worlds, and they were greatly divided by this. So here we've got this opening up, and here some, comes some Greeks. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, personally, I find these words humbling to read. There's something about them, the way that it's phrased. It's such a simple request, and it's right to the point, and it has nothing to do with the people who are there with Jesus saying, I want to tell you about Jesus and sell him to you. And then they said, you know what, after hearing your tale of Jesus, I'd like to see Jesus. They walk up and open with this. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. It's a simple request. But even in this passage, it's very tricky. In our world today, it's tricky, right? How, do we want, how, can, I, how can I best let you see Jesus through my actions and words and the things that I do? That's something we have to continue with. In this world... You've got Philip, who's asked this question, and Andrew, and literally there's Jesus, and they've come to see him. It's tricky here because, um, quite frankly, they're not sure what's going on here. <laughs> What's this? Some Greeks are popping in, and they want to see Jesus? Why is that, I wonder? Are they part of the... And if you remember, you know, we just got through with the Mark study, and we kind of saw the world around Jesus collapsing in on Jesus, towards the end especially, right? People that were conspiring against him, were reaching out to anybody that would be willing to help lend a hand in taking care of this nuisance for these, the, the Jewish leadership. So I think they asked Philip, we'd like to see Jesus. I'm sure Philip's like, uh, yeah, let me go check on that. Who goes to Andrew? Andrew's probably like, I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, we should probably ask Jesus. And they go together. Well, I'm not going. You ask him. Well, let's go together. We'll, we'll ask him at the same time, right? It, it, it kind of feels like a couple guys that are really unsure as to what's going on here. Will you visit them? Check yes or no, right? Like they're going to give Jesus a note. And, but the, let's go together. And they ask Jesus. And Jesus, not missing a beat, immediately says that his death is imminent. Seemingly a weird answer. 
hey, these guys are here to see you. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Oh, okay, but we were wondering about these Greeks who wanted to visit you. And he jumps in. I mean, he launches into this. I, I just kind of love the transition. It's like, bing. It's almost like a switch flipped, right? The moment they ask about this, Jesus, the hour has come. And as, as usual, Jesus uses parables to help them understand why this must happen. He knows he is still actively teaching. Talked about this in Mark. Uh, here we are in another gospel where Jesus is teaching all the way to the cross. There are lessons to be learned about who God is, who Jesus is, who we are called to be in God and in Jesus. And that's what he's trying to help them understand. You know, death was something. And Jesus is about to do something very extraordinary in the face of death and change it fundamentally forever. But this is going to be a new lesson, right? A new lesson for these believers, these apostles, as well as all the, whole, the whole world forevermore. And he, he capstones this little bit of teaching here with, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Now, when you hear somebody talking about death and that their death is imminent, I must go to die. It's what I was called to do, called to die. Also, if you serve me, you'll follow me. There's probably an immediate like, to, to death? Are we called to die? Now, Jesus talked about that as well and said, where I'm going, y'all can't go. You don't want to go. No way, I'll follow you, Jesus. We'll never let you go. Okay, we'll see how that ends up. But believe me, it's not for you. It's for me. But in service, the mindset is here. All this because these guys went up and said, there's some Greeks here. <clears throat> right? Over, open the floodgates of knowledge. And then we see Jesus touching on the purpose of his death. He actually kind of talks about some of his concerns, right? He knows that despite his desire to have the cup pass, he's expressed that. We read about it in Mark. If it be... If it's possible, take this from me, Lord, but your will be done. It's not that Jesus is looking forward to this. It's not that he doesn't care. He does care. But not only must it be done, but it fulfills the fundamental purpose for his ministry. Now, this would have been new knowledge to them. I know we talk about it a lot, but for these guys, this would have been net new. The purpose, what's going on here? We're a little confused. Now, I say net new in that he's been dropping hints all along. But it's coming down to brass tacks. Soon Jesus will be crucified. He will die on the cross. And if they don't understand what's going on here, which they don't and won't for a minute, it's going to be very, very difficult to contend with. It's going to feel much more hopeless than it should. But this is the purpose of His ministry. And that purpose? Glorifying the Father. It's, it is tr true and right to say that the purpose of Jesus' coming was to die on the cross. That's true. But that's not the... That, that alone doesn't do anything unless we understand the bigger purpose, which is that pays for the sin of all mankind, that re gives us a way back to God, and that glorifies the Father. That's the key thing. Glory to God, period. All the rest of these are requirements in order to fulfill that. We know it because they did it. The, the Trinity opted to go that route. It has happened. And God, what's so cool about this is we actually see God answer Jesus' request. At the end of his, his spiel about uh, if you love your life, you lose it. And he kind of talks about, my, now, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Right? He knows, Christ is well aware that like, I, I don't want to do it, but I realize that I must do it. It's fundamentally why I'm here. I don't want to, but if I ask God, 
if I just complain or, or, or moan, it must be done. It must be done. And then he says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Like, this blows my mind. That Jesus is kind of teaching and preaching a little bit here about his, his upcoming demise. And he says, Father, glorify your name. And the Father answers him right away. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Now, I don't know what the voice of God sounds like, but we can surmise. Personally, I don't know. But we can surmise it sounds like thunder or what maybe they thought an angel would sound like. So something clearly big and vast, seemingly maybe from the sky or elsewhere, maybe difficult to interpret right away, not sure. But of course, the people aren't buying this. They're, they're not connecting the dots that God's going to answer His Son. Sounds like rain. Did you hear that thunder? I think I heard an angel speak to Him, right? And then we see a <laughs> Jesus answer, uh, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. There's a, a, a famous little blurb from a preacher. This reminds me of his name is Paul Washer, and he's talking to these youth about, about sin ruining their lives and how they need to repent and, and square up. And when he says this, they all start clapping. He moves in front of the podium and he says, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. And the room kind of dies for a second. <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. They're, they're debating this voice like, oh, he was talking to angels. Must be a conversation with him. This voice has come for your sake, not mine, right? I know the Father has glorified his, his name and will do it again. I know that. Y'all don't get it. This is the Hecox Standard Version. Wake up, idiots. God's speaking and you're missing it. Not just missing it, you're arguing it away, you're trying to justify it as something else. But here's God speaking in their presence. Two, two persons of the Trinity have spoken to these people this day. They just heard words from Jesus. They heard words from the Father. Sounds like thunder. Oh, he's crazy. And we, want, we, th- we tell ourselves, boy, if Jesus were here, it would change things. I don't know. Didn't for them. And then we see a final word and another question from the crowd. Jesus tells them that when he's lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. 